It's difficult to imagine Christmas without decorated trees, but do they have any redeeming value for Christians? And how did the idea get started in the first place? I think the answer to the first question is a resounding yes. The answer to the second question is a little bit longer. Believe it or not, the Christmas tree as we know it today actually took more than 700 years to make. For our family, the evolution of the Christmas tree makes the most sense when we think of it as happening in three separate acts. I originally wrote Act 1 in the form of a rhyme to make it easier for my little ones to enjoy. There's a copy of this on my website at ericwillbanks.com if you'd like to read it for your kids. I call it the little fir tree. There once was a giant oak that ruled the western lands. It was said the oak was planted by Thor's mighty hand. The people there all worshipped beneath this ancient tree until a monk named Boniface refused to bow his knee. This man of faith told of a God who hears us when we pray. But the people there all feared Thor's wrath and turned their ears away. So Boniface removed his robe as the people gathered round and taking up a woodsman's axe, he chopped the great oak down. The hours turned to days, yet Thor's wrath never came. And one by one, the people believed in the power of Jesus' name. The monk built a house of worship from the wood of that great oak. And from that point on, the people there listened when Boniface spoke. Now, it's here our story really begins. This part you may have heard, because Boniface was quite well known for his ability to explain God's word. As time went by, something happened within the stump of that oak tree. A little fir sprang up. It's true, and its leaves were evergreen. The people marveled at this sight, and they wondered at its meaning. So Boniface used this miracle to explain three special things. First, he set the record straight. Twasn't Thor who made those trees. Instead, was the God of the Bible whose hand made all we see. Next, he taught them what it means that our God is always the same. Like the leaves on the evergreen tree, God is eternal and will never change. Finally, he used the shape of the tree to show our God is three yet one. Like the triangle of the little fir, he is Father, Spirit, and Son. So Boniface taught three things using the little fir tree as an object lesson. First, that God is our creator, that he made all the trees. Second, that God is eternal, he never changes. And third, that God is three in one, Father, Spirit, and Son. So now we know why the little fir tree became important to Christians, but that still doesn't explain how the fir tree became the Christmas tree, does it? To learn that, we need Act 2. As the years went by, churches all over heard about what happened, and they too wanted to use this tree to help others learn about God. This eventually led to something called a paradise tree. From the 11th century during the Middle Ages, the church celebrated Adam and Eve Day on December 24th. As part of that celebration, they used religious plays called mystery plays to depict the story of the creation of Adam and Eve their sin, and their banishment from Eden. 
It's at this point that our story is way more practical than spiritual. So here's a question for you. If you were tasked with putting together a winter play or pageant about the Garden of Eden and you wanted to fill your stage with beautiful trees, what sort of tree would you have to use? I have hundreds of trees around my house and most of them are just leafless sticks by the time winter rolls around. So the answer should be obvious. An evergreen tree was the logical choice for those mystery plays. And at least one tree in particular, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, had to be decorated, and so they used apples to symbolize the forbidden fruit that's mentioned in Genesis. Apples on a fir tree. Seem familiar? The play ended with the promise of the coming Savior and His incarnation. So, gradually, flat wafers symbolizing the forgiveness of sin and communion were added to the paradise tree, making it now not just the tree of knowledge, but also the tree of life. This resulted in a very old European custom of decorating a fir tree in the home with apples and small white wafers representing the Holy Eucharist at Christmas time. Now, these wafers were later replaced by little pieces of pastry cut into the shape of stars and angels and hearts and flowers and bells. So, in Act 1, Boniface used the tree to teach about God. Then, in Act 2, believers used the tree on December 24th to teach how Adam and Eve sinned and why we need Jesus. But, there's still one more very important part to our story. In this part wouldn't happen for at least another 350 years. That's Act 3. In 1512, a brilliant young theologian named Martin Luther was brought on to teach at the University of Wittenberg in Germany. But Luther was much more than a theology professor. Luther was a passionate student of God's Word. So passionate, in fact, that it got him in quite a bit of trouble over his lifetime. On October 31, 1517, Luther wrote a letter to Bishop Albert of Mainz. Now, in this letter, he included a copy of his, quote, Disputation of Martin Luther on the Power and Efficacy of Indulgences, end quote, which came to be known as the 95 Theses. Luther's studied objections to these indulgences and other church practices eventually led to his excommunication by the religious leaders of his time, and it earned him the title of outlaw by the emperor. In fact, it was made a crime for anyone in Germany to give Luther food or shelter. Nevertheless, Luther refused to back down, stating publicly, quote, I am bound by the scriptures I have quoted, and my conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and will not recant anything, End quote. In 1525, Luther married former nun Katharina von Bora. Now, because of Luther's status, money was often short, but the marriage was strong. The two had six children, and by the time his first child was born in 1526, Luther had already shifted his focus to the organization of a new congregation of believers based on his own beliefs. As the story goes, one wintry night, Martin Luther was returning home to his family. It was dark and it was cold, but the sky was filled with millions of stars. The trees, mostly tall evergreens, were covered with frost. Legend has it that Luther was meditating on God's word, preparing a sermon for his people. When Luther saw the stars twinkling in the sky through the icy green pines, it reminded him that Jesus was the light of the world. Luther was so deeply moved by the beauty of this natural wonder and the spiritual truth that it brought to mind. 
that when he arrived home, he was eager to recount his experience to his family. To help them understand what he had saw, he gathered some candles and hung them on a little fir tree to represent the twinkling lights that he had seen on his walk home. The tradition of lighting the tree with candles had officially begun. And of course, eventually a tree skirt was placed underneath to catch the melting wax from the candles. Perhaps that walk was the seed for Luther's thought when he would later quote and then comment on Isaiah 61 in one of his Christmas sermons. Quote, Arise, shine, for thy light is come. Undoubtedly, Christ is the light of which Isaiah here speaks, and which, through the gospel, shines in all the world, enlightening those who rise, who desire him. End quote. And so, from a tiny fir springing out of the stump of a mighty oak, to a tree decorated for a mystery play, to a legendary walk by Martin Luther, the story of the Christmas tree is born. But, to be fair, the value of the fir tree goes back even further than any of these stories. The prophet Isaiah, under the inspiration of the Creator himself, would speak these words more than 2,000 years before Boniface or Luther. Quote, Evergreens will grow in place of thorn bushes. Firs will grow in place of nettles. They will be a monument to the Lord, a permanent reminder that will remain, end quote. That's Isaiah 55 and 13. The book of the prophet Isaiah says it plainly. God himself designed the little fir tree, the very same one that you now call a Christmas tree, to be, quote, a monument to the Lord, a permanent reminder that will remain. If you've been led to believe that the Christmas tree is either a pagan tradition co-opted by Christians or simply an enduring sign of secularism, I challenge you to rethink that position. Instead, as you gaze at your Christmas tree this holiday season, may that little fir tree remind you of God's story as recorded in the Bible, that He is the Creator, that He is eternal, that He is three in one. And even though Adam and Eve brought sin into the world, He sent the light, Jesus Christ, to save us. Remember, a better mind always leads to a better life.